Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 3, Episode 12, for Saturday the 27th of March 2021. Coming up this week, it's the last episode of this season. I'll be reviewing quarter one and looking ahead to the rest of my writing year. I did something completely off the beaten track for my business this week. All will be revealed before the end of the show. I'm finally seeing some results from my Amazon ads. They've propelled two of my books into my top five bestsellers. And I've news of a bonus episode next week to mark five years of this podcast. Welcome to the diary then. This is the last one of the present season, as I said. And what better way to mark the end of a podcast season than to release a new book? And I did that on the 23rd of March, which was my birthday. If you listen regularly to this podcast, you'll know that it was my 55th birthday last year and I had loads of targets. But of course, in the UK, the 23rd of March, my birthday was the day we went into lockdown. So it marked all sorts of events. But I just figured, well, I need to be releasing a book towards the end of March. We might as well do it on my birthday. So it went live automatically. I didn't have to do anything because it was all done, dusted. It was all available on pre-sale. And I have no particular launch strategy for this book. The non-fiction books, as I'll tell you later on in the podcast, I'll explain how the Amazon ads are doing. I really don't care particularly to have some launch strategy for it. Um, The more and more I've written books in different genres, I don't really do a launch anymore. I release a book, but I don't launch a book. And I tend to figure out how to market the book after I've released it. Sometimes some, you know, sometimes some considerable time after I've released it. So I don't really do uh, book launches. Now, that would change if I had a, a baying crowd of fans waiting for the book, but I don't. So I don't put myself under any stress with that. I simply release the book and get to marketing it when I'm ready. So a couple of things happened around that book in that I got a BookBub new release alert because this time I remembered to list it on BookBub. And I've said this to you before, you kind of have, you have to have people following you on BookBub for that to be beneficial. And I have quite a lot of people following me for thrillers. Well, a lot of people following me for thrillers on BookBub. I have fewer people following me for sci-fi and even fewer people following me for non-fiction mainly in non-fiction. In fact, I, I can't have very many people following me in non-fiction. I must have some, though, because it sends a new release alert out. But I haven't done any promos on my non-fiction, even though they are all listed on BookBub. But the, the truth is, is, you know, the more followers you've got on BookBub, those new release alerts work extremely well. They, they work for me particularly well on thrillers because that's where I've got the most followers, and obviously that's where I release most books. So um, I also got... Uh, release alerts from Amazon and from Draft to Digital. And Draft to Digital obviously promote it through the books to read links, which is great. So it was really good to see the infrastructure working there. And this is how you need to optimize your book uh, launches uh, when you when you do them. You do need to make sure that the book is listed well ahead of time. As soon as it's listed on you know Amazon, as soon as you've got some files for it, get it listed on on BookBub, make sure that you've got the new release alerts ticked in your draft the digital books. Amazon's very good at doing new release alerts anyway, but you need as much help as you can get, and all of this stuff is for free. It just works automatically, so you might as well do it. I have in the past forgotten to get those BookBub new release alerts set up and kick myself for it. So as I said, when that email arrived in my inbox, I was particularly pleased that I'd remembered this time. And just a special thanks to Lee Wood, who left the first reviewer, was one of the first to purchase 
your author platform blueprint. Thanks for that, Lee. Uh, Lee's been very quick in to buy all the non-fiction books and leave a review. So thank you very much. That's much appreciated. And uh, it feels good to have those four uh, non-fiction books out now, not only because they, they're nicely branded. You know, I've got some uh, lovely covers from Flintlock Covers from Sean Stevens. They look like they're all part of the same uh, series. They also have got pretty well all my strengths in terms of, of digital knowledge. It's, it's encapsulated that in a book. There really is at the moment probably only one more that I might squeeze out, the email marketing. I have to say I did cover some email marketing in the author platform blueprint book. So I'd be no rush to do that. But I guess I could squeeze another nonfiction out if I wanted to bring that tally to five. But I am very pleased that I've managed to, to kind of put all my or the key elements of my digital knowledge into those books in a way that they're relatively timeless. And, and as I've said before, it's a two to three year review cycle on those books. And my mistake when I started nonfiction was that I put illustrations in, all the interfaces change, everything changed. And I've, I've got away now from that step-by-step how-to, which needs updating virtually every five minutes with, with social media and digital platforms. And I'm now into something much more static where I'm talking about principles and techniques rather than how to. So I'm very happy with that. I feel happy with my nonfiction at the moment. My Amazon Prime reading deal, this is the one I told you about a week or two ago. Uh, This is the one that's like Fight Club, that I can't discuss all the specifics of how much they're paying me and things like that, but I could do it in general terms. This Amazon Prime reading deal went live on the 22nd of March and will run through to the 21st of June. It's in the US and it means basically they they pay me a set fee for all the books that are shifted during as part of that Prime reading initiative. So I guess the gamble they take is that they can make more money out of it than they're going to pay me. But my interest in that uh, 12-pack book, which is the one they've chosen, is that I make uh, full price cross sales on Now You See Her, which is one of my standalone thrillers, and the whole Walker Bay trilogy. So uh, as well as obviously getting that set fee at the end of the the three month period, I want to see, because .com is is a great uh, territory for them to be pushing that book in, I want to see if that pushes up the sales of Now You See Her and the Walker Bay Trilogy. And I do take the cash from those sales. So potentially I'm playing for four full price sales as a result of every 12 pack that they sell through that prime reading deal. Now I think in the past, I'm sure I've had one of these in the past, but it was for India. And I got to tell you that like um, when you get all the emails in telling you that you're you're going to be paid by Amazon, um, you have to be careful with, with the Indian numbers because they always look huge. And then when you work out what it is in dollars, it's not that much. But I have noticed that the money that I'm earning in India now is 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 going up. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers, doing a double take and thinking, oh, well, if that was dollars, I'd be very happy. Now, you know, obviously it reduces right down. And also my strategy in India is I price really low. In India, I just want people to read the books. I just want readership in India. Um, and also I think in terms of books in India, the, the, the strategy is to price low. But I'm, I'm just really pleased to see in my numbers then I am moving the needle on India because that's something that I want to do. I don't expect to make a lot of money in India, but at the moment I just want to be read and consumed in India. So 
again, it's always nice when you get those emails to see that that's going well and hopefully bearing out that longer term strategy. Um, another longer term strategy is that I still have my books uh, published on Publish Drive. I've removed them now. Uh, Google Play, I list the books, my wide books, I list them directly on Google Play now. But I still list my wide books on Publish Drive because Publish Drive allows me to access the Chinese market. And although you know, I'm just broadcasting into the wilderness at the moment. As a point of principle and long-term strategy, whether I sell books or not, or just a handful of books, I, as a business strategy, want my books listed in China. I don't happen to be selling any at the moment, but that's not the point. Uh, you know, I, I want them to be available in China. So that's why I still use Publish Drive. But as I said to you before, I found that the books, my books are taking forever to get published on Publish Drive. So I've now move my books into Google Play directly. And incidentally, I'll report back on this. Uh, who was I listening to? I think it might have been Mark Lefebvre on, on, on an interview that I'll mention to you later. I think it might have been Mark Lefebvre who was talking about that you could do discounts in Google Play. And I've tried a discount on a book in Google Play this week. So I, I think it's really great to see Google Books now making a real effort to engage with indie authors and to improve their interface and, and so again I, I want to encourage that because you know if, if, if Google were to able Google's probably the only people who can shift well Google or Apple could shift as many books as Amazon do feasibly they've got the, the infrastructure and the customer base to do it the technology to do it um, you know so I really want to support both of those um, you know Kobo, Kobo could probably do it in the Canadian territory um, but I think that probably Google and Apple are the only, you know, the, internationally are probably the only two that could give Amazon a run for their money with books. So I'm very keen to support Google directly now. And I'm finding it good. You know, I've signed up for the affiliate extra 7% on sales. I've, I've literally just this week just tried a, a discount deal, a promo deal in Google Play. The listing is extremely simple. I do like, I, I like the way that you've got control over the price in territories. What I wish Google Play would do is to have a pricing template so that I can say that I want my books to be say $3.99 in the US, $2.99 in the UK, you know, what, um, maybe whatever it is in, in India, $99 uh, in India. And then I could just, rather than have to go and do all the prices one by one for each book, where I've got a full price book, I could just say apply pricing template to each of my books rather than having to go through the rigmarole of pricing them each individually. Um, but, you know, because Google are now reaching out, that's something that I'll feed back at the first opportunity that I get to. So um, th that's the Amazon Prime reading deal. Um, again, you know, it's like Fight Club. I can't talk about the rules of Fight Club, but if there's any sort of big headlines that I can share with you then if I get an opportunity to in the future I'll, I'll let you know how that's gone if it makes any kind of a difference. I think now for the third week running I want to enthuse about BK Link, BKLNK, BK Link um, and BookLink I think it's short for as far as I can tell. It's just superb. When, I've been sorting out my categories at the moment so I think when I spoke to you last week I said to you that I'd gone through, I'd gone to BookLink and I put my ASINs in for the US and the UK. 
I've made a list on a spreadsheet of the categories that the books are linked uh, are, are currently the categories that the books are in currently in the UK and the US. And then what I've now um, I then researched new categories uh, using Klytics and using BK Link, and then I have submitted a great long email to, to to Amazon with my lead books, saying, "Please, can you change the categories of these?" lead books and then through this week and I haven't finished it just yet I think I'll probably finish it this afternoon what I've been doing this week then is mopping up the other books so I've sent them an email about my non-fiction they've got an email about the rest of my science fiction books and then what I've got to do now I've got the email template done I've just got to do the the keyword uh, the category research I've now just got to do my standalone thrillers and the other series thrillers that aren't the lead books in a series. Um, BK Link's just superb because I did another thing with it this week when I was experimenting with it. What it also does for you is it will generate you batches of 50 ASINs and you could then use those ASINs in Amazon ads. Now this is where you kind of have to keep your head around all my little bits and pieces that I've got going on. Because one of the things I've said to you is that my Amazon ads, I've got them going well on the 12th pack of books now. I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two. That's going well. And that I'm doing well with my podcast book and my Create Digital Products nonfiction book. But I've been struggling to get my author platform book and my five-figure fiction formula books. I've been struggling to get them firing. And what I wondered was, is whether it's because Amazon doesn't quite know what those books are. It can't quite work out what genre then. So this week, I used BK Link to uh, generate lists of 50 ASINs, which I then put into a new set of Amazon ads. So for each of my nonfiction books now, I've used BK Link to generate related ASINs, uh, these are the numbers that identify the books on Amazon. Uh, it's like it's kind of Amazon's equivalent of, of a digital ISBN if you want to know what it you know, if you don't know what that is an ASIN. So it's, it's an individual um, Amazon identification number basically. And um, I put those ASINs in and it gave me brilliant lists of re relevant related books to target. Now um, when I first started trying to tackle Amazon ads, and this is in the last year, I can't remember when, when it was, I did this manually the first time round. It was the most boring, tedious work that I've done. If only I'd known that BK Link just spurts out these ASINs. Now, you know, don't do it by hand. Use BK Link, and it, it's free for goodness sake. It's amazing. As I say, I, I loved it so much. I was just, I just thought I've got to donate to the chap who makes this because it's such a good resource. He should be charging for this. I tell you what, so if I don't know who listens to this podcast, but someone needs to buy that or collaborate with the maker of BK Link and to turn it into a fantastic product, which will make a lot of money. Uh, because, uh, you know, at the moment it needs a, a design overhaul. It needs to look flashier. Uh, and that that's very, very simple to do. But the engine behind it is superb. And somebody could take that up. Somebody knows what they're doing. Who's got the, um, you know, got the, the audience. They should buy that up. Um, do a collaboration with the guy who makes it. Just make it look modern. Make the interface look a bit more groovy and, and modern. Create some nice polished training videos, and you've got a great product there. It's it's just waiting for it. It's so good. Anyhow, what I also did is um, I said to you that I, I'd been struggling because Amazon doesn't really know what the five-figure fiction formula is and the author platform book is, and so what I then did is I I 
thought, okay then, I can't use my own ASIN for those books to find relevant books because I, I've only got the listed in limited categories. So what I did is I found David Gochran nonfiction books, Chris Fox nonfiction book, and I got Ricardo Fayette's books. So these are all high in the charts at the moment. And I put their ASINs in and I generated a list of ASINs and categories from their books. And, uh, and also one of Joanna Penn's actually now I remember. And what I then got is a fantastic list of non-fiction ASINs that I could use on my books to target. So not only did I get categories, because I didn't really know what the categories were, I found them from looking at other, I nick, not I nick them, you don't nick them because it's all public stuff anyway, but I got them by looking at big hitters in my genre, non-fiction, who are targeting, who are targeting uh, self-published authors or, or authors in general. I got a great list of relevant categories to list my non-fiction books in. And then also using BK Link, it spurted out loads of fantastic ASINs of non-fiction books. And I've now set up in the UK and the US, Amazon adverts using the ASINs that BK Link gave me to find an audience because uh, the automatic ads, certainly on the author platform book and the five-figure fiction formula book, the automated ads are struggling with those ads. Now, interestingly, I can report to you, this is not, this was absolutely accidental. I think I put some duff information in because my podcast book is at number one in paid charts, in two paid charts in the US at the moment. It, it might not be at the time of, um, you know, if you go and look now, but I got a little screenshot of it. And um, I, this might be my mistake. I'm not quite sure how it's got into these categories. So this might be my mistake, um, maybe giving a wrong category. But in the US, I'm number one in business and investing e-magazines and number one in women's interest e-magazines. Uh, and also already number five, this is the one I'm really pleased about, I'm number 25 in paid books for podcasting and webcasting. That's literally as a, as a result of doing some keyword research a week ago. So um, it made a pretty quick change with these books. Now, this is what I've said to you before. I can actually now say, I could officially now say that I'm number one in two paid US charts with my podcasting book. It's a number one bestseller in two US charts. I can officially say that, but this goes back to what I was saying to you before. It's all right getting to number one in a Billy No Mates chart, or as I have in these charts, these charts are not relevant for that book really. You know, it's a bit of a stretch. If you look at the Women's Interest e-magazines, they are literally women's magazines that you can get as e-magazines. I'm in the wrong chart there. So it's all very nice being number one, but it's pointless. It's just, it's a vanity metric. So yeah, I could show off about it, but I'm not going to, uh, because it doesn't mean anything. It's in the wrong, it's in the wrong category. Uh, if somebody looked at that category looking for e-magazines, my book shouldn't really be there. Um, you know, it's deceptive. It's like all these romance books that come into the crime category and things like that. It just creates a bad customer service. So I need to dig into what I sent Amazon, see whether it's my fault or whether it's just ended up in that category. And I need to move it out there. But you know, it's it, this is just an example of how this works, that if you list your book in an uncompetitive category, you can get to number one in a chart, you can officially call yourself a bestseller. I'm number one in two paid charts, you know, not even free charts, but I'm not going to because uh, 
you know, to me, that's a sleight of hand, uh, and I'm and I'm not going to do that. So there's quite a lot in there in that I I used somebody else's categories, you know, who's doing well in my genre to find categories for my books. So you don't have to do it with your books. You could do it with other people's books too. And this is, you know, I say I'm stealing categories. You're not stealing categories. You can't steal categories from people. But what you can do is say, that author does the kind of books that I write. So therefore, I want to be in the same kind of categories as that author. Uh, and BK Link allows you to do this. I've got to tell you, you know, it was my new number one best tool for doing Amazon ads. It's absolutely superb and so let me update you with my amazon ads now this is this is ongoing work but what has been a big revelation to me is this consultancy session i did with kirsten oliphant and i didn't really know what i was doing with amazon ads before i would look at obviously i would look at how many sales i was making what they were costing me versus you know what they were costing me versus what i was making but i didn't feel like that what i was making figures really reflected what I was selling all the time it didn't they didn't you know it just doesn't feel like they they link up entirely I know there's a, a lag and a delay in, in reporting but I'm finding Kirsten's one to ten ratio of orders to clicks this is a great way of assessing if the adverts are working it really helps me to calibrate the ads better and to know whether to to turn them off or to leave them on and then to play around with the with the pricing with the price per click but just to let you know, this month, I've had um, 55 book orders from .com and 74 book orders via Amazon.co.uk. And my page reads now, particularly on the, the thriller book, the 12th pack of thrillers, uh, which is going really well on Amazon ads, by the way. I'm, I'm shifting a lot of those and, and, and at a price where I'm where I'm breaking even on the sales, which is even more remarkable. I always make profit on Facebook ads with those, but on Amazon I, I aim to break even because over time I make my money back on the page read. So I've got to I've got to be patient with that advert to see I'm seeing page reads go into the thousands now on the Amazon ad. I just need to watch those page reads and see if the money kind of comes in as the page reads build. So 55 orders on .com, 74 orders this month on .co.uk with the page reads going up into the thousands now of the 12 pack of books. I've also this month now managed to sell books of uh, I've sold copies of every book advertised on .com. So at the moment, I'm pushing my 12-pack of thrillers and my non-fiction books, and I've sold copies of all of those books on .com, but I'm still working to get the non all of the non-fiction books selling in the UK. But having said that, on Amazon, I'm making the most profit from Amazon in the UK so far. So that kind of 1 to 10 ratio really helps me approach my ads in an intelligent manner and I can tell you that in the UK my ratio is well above that 1 to 10 ratio and it's just on the borderline in the US at the moment but then you know it's all swings and roundabouts but it's allowing me to calibrate um, the, the price per click looking at the ASINs that I'm targeting I, it just gives me an intelligent way of assessing those adverts and trying to figure out whether they're working. So, you know, I'm really pleased about this because I got the Facebook ads uh, not working in any anything like the scale they were a year ago on my 12-pack of thrillers, but still making at least 100% profit a day, even after a year. 
but not at the scale that it was a year ago. Um, you know, it won't take that number of sales that I was making a year ago now, but it is still running at 100% or over profit regularly on the Facebook ads. And now I really feel like um, with this ratio of Kirsten's and, and looking at my Amazon ads, I'm almost at a point with the Amazon ads and I'm just, I'm going to hang on in there. I'm almost at a point, uh, at a tipping point where what I've spent on the ads is going to be exceeded by the the, the marked uh, sales on the ads. So we're going we're gonna to be in profit on them at the moment. So I really feel like I'm making some progress with the Amazon ads at the moment. And I attribute that to Kirsten's ratio and using BK Link. So if you've been struggling with Amazon ads to get any kind of life out of them, and you want to resurrect what you're doing with Amazon ads, those are my top tips. Use the Kirsten Oliphant ratio and dive into BK Link, which is free and fantastic. This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the Alliance of Independent Authors, the professional business membership organization for self-published authors. I found that I usually cover the cost of membership by using the special codes given out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership is easily paid for. However, Ally is much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best essential professional membership service for all indie authors, head over to paulteague.net forward slash ally. That's A-L-L-I. Although I'm never really happy with the income that I make going wide, unless I've got a book bub and I get income from Barnes & Noble and Apple, which is usually pretty good after a book bub, I, I am enjoying at the moment. It always somehow makes me feel like more of an entrepreneur, but I am enjoying being listed wide because this month I've made sales in Kobo. I've made sales on Draft the Digital. I've made library sales through Draft the Digital. I've just this morning when I was out, had three emails from Ingram Spark telling me I've sold paperbacks with Ingram Spark. I've, uh, did I mention Google? I've just had, I've had sales on every single outlet this month. And it, it just makes me feel more like an entrepreneurial, self-published author when I got little bits of money, however small, coming in from all sorts of different sources. It uh, really kind of makes me makes me happy there. And with that in mind, one of the things that I found helps me to sell books on Kobo is to constantly be looking at the promotions that they have and listing my books in those promotions. So I've got another Kobo promotion. This time it's for, I call it my digital mastery box set. So what I did when I thought I was only going to have three non-fiction books is I've got five-figure fiction formula, my Create Digital Products book, and my podcast book, I put them into a, a four-pack box set, and I called it, just for, for the heck of it, the Digital Mastery Box Set. It seemed like a sensible thing to call it, to pull those topics together. And that's now going to be listed in the Kobo Easter Super Sale, which will run, I think it's going to run in the UK and Australia and New Zealand, and that runs from the 30th of March to the 14th of April. And... I basically priced it down to 99 pence cents for the promo, and we'll see if we can shift some of those. I do struggle organically to sell books on Kobo. 
I sell books on Kobo. I always do well on Kobo when I have a book bub. Don't have any book bubs at the moment. And I always find, although they don't shatter any records, I do find that listing in the Kobo promotions always helps me make money on Kobo. So again, if you are listing on Kobo, constantly be looking at that promotions tab. If you haven't got the promotions tab, just email the Kobo team and they will add it to your to your kind of website, your web interface. It's not there automatically. So if you're looking there saying, what's he talking about? You might have to ask for it to be added, but they're constantly refreshing those promotions. And you really need to be looking at those regularly and then constantly submitting your books. And it's not like BookBub, you know, BookBub, you rarely get a BookBub. On a Kobo, I have a pretty good strike rate on getting promotions with Kobo. And the other great thing about the Kobo promotions is that they're, they have different sort of price options. So usually what I go for is I go for the percentages. So I don't pay anything up front to take part in the promotion. Kobo, I think, take 10, 10% of the take or whatever, whatever it is they take. But they also have promos where you can pay £3, £6 to take part. I think there's something like a £10 and a £50. That, that might be dollars rather than pounds. But you've got uh, price points that everybody can afford. And, and, and again, if you've got no budget, just go for a percentage of the, of the sales. Just go for a percentage and then you don't have to lay out any money up front. So well recommended that. Now here's a complete surprise for you. You'll know that I've written now six books based in the UK seaside resort of Morecambe. And my books are called the Morecambe Bay Trilogy. And because I write those books, I'm connected to a couple of Facebook groups. And one of those is the Winter Gardens group. Now the Winter Gardens is a, an old, very old, uh, traditional seaside building. It was um, a theater, it was a seaside theater for years. And um, they had, uh, is it Vaudeville? Is, am I, is that right? I might be wrong with that. I might be getting my history all mixed up. But they, they had, um, you know, traditional comedians there who, who used to do the tours of the seasides. Walker and Wise would perform there. Um, you know, it was a traditional British seaside location. And then since I've been in the resort as a student, it's had various uses, but it's fallen into, uh, disrepair is not the word, but I think it was taken over, um, and I may, I may be wrong with this, but I think it's been taken over by a community group to run it now. And obviously, like many of these traditional buildings, it's been you know struggling to find its place in the seaside resort. But, um, you know, it's still a wonderful building. You can still go and have a look at it. It's still in its all its beautiful kind of traditional glory. And I went, I actually went to the Morecambe Crime Festival. That, that was held there. So it is a working building that was held, uh, it was held in that area. And, um, you know, so it's still a working building, although obviously it, it's not in the days of its, its previous glory. So I was on the Facebook page and I noticed that they, they've located the original theatre seats there. So apparently these seats were taken out and sold years ago. And then they've now found out where those seats went to. And the people who run the Winter Gardens have, have, have bought them back or they're going to buy them back. So as part of the ongoing renovation programme, they've got a sponsor a seat campaign going, which I saw. And it's only, um, as, a, as an individual, it's £75 to sponsor a seat. So I've sponsored a seat. And I thought, well, look, I, you know, I write books based on this resort. I love this resort. I've got loads of happy memories of this resort. This is where my wife and I did lots of our kind of courting and had lovely summer days out when we were students and we were younger, and we still do now. Now we're old gippers. We still go down to Walkham and have lovely days out. So, um, you know, it's got a very fond affection in my heart has Morecambe. So I thought 75 quid, that's great, I'm gonna do that. So I have sponsored a seat at Morecambe Winter Gardens and I've 
put uh, you could only, you've only got 50 characters for the inscription so i couldn't do too big a plug for the books but on my seat it will say supported by author paul teague Morecambe lover which is all i could fit in with my 50 characters but having located one of my murders in the winter gardens and they're always they're always either meeting outside the winter gardens or meeting in the winter gardens i even had a press conference in the in the winter gardens in one of the books you know it's a, it's obviously a, like the midland hotel in Morecambe. it's a key location in the books i thought i'm having that 75 quid you know it's a bit of it's a bit of number one it's a bit of promotion for the books if somebody sits there and thinks author paul teague you hopefully you look that up author paul teague in google and then everything's going to come up on amazon and everything like that because that's how i keyword everything author paul teague or paul teague author uh, but the other point is it's a, a bit of a vote of confidence in the resort um as well uh it's a bit of a, a stake in the resort so that's one of the strangest author things i've done ever i think but uh, it was only 75 quid so you know who cares it just felt like a really good thing to do while the opportunity was there i had a really interesting email from pip at bible pathway adventures and i think i mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that pip had sent me a link to this lovely pdf catalog that they've produced now now pip um with bible pathway adventures they do wonderful teaching and learning resources for the bible and pip sells these throughout the world it's an amazing business and they've just done a brilliant uh, job of it and as a former teacher i said to pip when i saw her books on the bookshelves the former teacher to me that the the quality of the products that that pip's producing as a teacher i would have loved having that for the religious education in the classroom they're really high quality and the artwork is lovely too really engaging for kids so pip sent me an email this week and I'm going to share another couple of images for you because I just think this is one of those ideas. You know what I was saying about your antennae? I always, you know, twitching when there are good ideas around. And and, and I think Pip's onto something here. Uh, she sent me an email saying, thoroughly enjoyed this week's podcast, packed with interesting info for advanced indie authors. Um, I checked out your books on Amazon. They look terrific, a strong offering and not a whiff of self-published. Well, thank you for that, Pip. That's a vote of confidence. Um, our our catalogue is proving a fantastic marketing tool. So they they promote the PDF version everywhere on the website, as a pin post on Facebook, as part of the email signature, and it's featured every week in their newsletter. So they're constantly promoting the catalogue. And the catalogue, of course, is the funnel for all of the products that Bible Pathway Adventures uh, pr produce. It's, it's a conduit to allow people to see it all everything that pip's producing so this, this is the new idea that i just want to tell you about pip says that the paperback version is available via amazon kdp this allows us to send interested parties a copy that's usually bookstores and ministries in the usa without the hassle of printing and shipping from canada which is where pip's based it's hard to quantify the effect of the catalogue. However, since we released it in December and began Amazon advertising, print sales have shot up. I highly recommend authors with multiple titles consider creating a catalogue. I hope your antennae are twitching here. So here's me. How many books have I got now? I, I write in three categories, in three genres. In thrillers, I've now got 16 books. But I must have, I'm just trying to think, tot it up quickly. I've got over 20, 21 products. I'm thinking of box sets and things like that. 21 products in that. That's enough for a small catalogue. To it's, it's, I guess for me, it's like a reading list. It's almost like a reading list. But I'm going to give you the link to 
the catalogue and the the Amazon listing so that you can see what what Pip's done. But I think she's really onto something here. Now, clearly for Pip, with so many products, you know, worksheets, workbooks, it's a lot easier. But it's not much of a leap to see how someone like me with 22 books, or even if you've got a series, how you could produce a nice catalogue, add that to an Amazon listing, and then it just makes you look so much more professional. I love this idea of not having to ship the book from Canada, but being able to get it all around the world just as a, as a result of having it listed on Amazon. I think that's inspired. The, the other thing that Pip said to me is that because the catalog isn't intended for general sale, although of course you could buy it if you wanted to, they don't add the metadata, the keywords, the categories that I've just been telling you about earlier in this podcast, because you know the aim of it is as a service. You're not trying to get a number one bestseller with a catalog, it's a service, but it's a great way of getting your catalog around the world without having to basically get a copy off the pile in the corner, pay for, wrap it up, pay for postage, uh, at whatever postage rate that is, if you're posting to you know Africa or somewhere like that, all the complications that includes, you just dispatch it through Amazon. I think that's inspired. So I, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to show you, um, if you go to the show notes for this week, I'll put the Amazon link so you can see what Pip's done with that catalogue. And I will also put images of the catalogue as well. Uh, because what Pip said to me, I, said to, I asked Pip, how, how are you doing that? How did you do that catalogue? And she just uses, I mean, I would probably recommend using Canva. You'd probably get um, to do it simply. I think I would look at Canva. Pip said, look at something like Envato, Envato.com as well. But she said, all we did was created, I think it was four templates, just using off the shelf templates. And then it was a case of laying out the book covers and just making it all look nice and choosing the fonts and things like that. So it's not a complicated thing to do. And in actual fact, I've done a version of this with my scrapbook. So I've now got three scrapbooks, which by the way, I looked at the numbers for this. These are working really well for me to get um, subscribers. Um, I've got three scrapbooks. I've got one for the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, one for Morecambe Bay 1, Morecambe Bay 2 trilogies. And the scrapbooks basically are pretty well what Pip's done. I, I got a nice scrapbook template from Canva. I've taken nice photographs from the locations that I've used in the book and I've put captions on them. And then people can, can get these in you know, for giving me their email. And in actual fact, because I was getting good, I'll just tell you this while I'm going on about it, because I was getting good signups from those, I've actually made um, opting into my list optional because I figured that what I want is quality people on the list. I don't want to force people onto my list just to get that that gift. So I've I, they don't even have to sign up for my email list to get that now. They, they, they get it through BookFunnel, and if they don't want to get my emails, that's fine. They could just have the they could just have the scrapbook for free, but of course the scrapbook does have upsells in it. <laughs> of course it does. Um, you know, you don't miss an opportunity to try and get people to buy something that they haven't already bought. So, you know, I, I, win, I win from that in all ways from a marketing point of view. So Pip, I think that's a great idea, and I'm gonna consider that for my thrillers. I'm gonna have to think about that. It's gonna be a slow burner for me, but I really like that idea. And I would urge you, if you've got something that might fit that catalog idea have a think about it because i i think pip's really onto something with that it's a great idea and beautifully executed too 
This week, I purchased Mark Lefebvre's, Mark Lefebvre, I beg your pardon, Mark Lefebvre's book, Wide for the Win. And um, I'm reading it at the moment. I just um, I just bought it. It's, it's 5.49 in, in the UK. And it was downloaded to my, I think it was, was live, was it on the 23rd on my birthday, I think it was. Came out the same day as my book did, I think. Um, and I'm just reading through it now. My non-fiction and my science fiction are going to stay listed wide now. My three books are now, uh, three uh, science fiction books, my uh, Secret Bunker Trilogy books, they're now on book chains. They're, they're, they're listed on the blockchain. I had a few technical things just to sort out with the quality of the covers. So I'm now going to list all of my science fiction books and all of my non-fiction books on book chain. So I am wide in the truest sense of the word. It's interesting to see that Mark Lefebvre also has books listed on book chain. Uh, yeah, I think he calls himself Mark Leslie on there. I'm sure that's Mark Lefebvre. I'm sure it is. That's that's his fiction name that he writes, and I'm sure that's right. Um, but he's got books listed on Bookchain too. And I once again, I'm going to recommend to you the Wide for the Win Facebook page. It's turning into a really, really good quality site. That you heard my prediction last week. I think that it's going to run very comfortably alongside 20 books to 50k which tends to be an amazon exclusive website i've got a foot in both camps most of us do these days but if you want specific ku techniques um then you want to go to 20 books for 50k and if you want to be uh, wide genuinely wide and you want best practice there then you want to be in wide for the win and I've got to recommend to you Mark Lefebvre's book, Wide for the Win. I haven't finished reading it yet, but, um, you know, it, it really is the, I guess, the definitive book. And Mark is the guy to write that book because he worked for Kobo for years. He now works for Draft the Digital. I can't think of anybody in the industry who's better placed with an insider's and a writer's view to write that book so I, you kind of got to get that book if you're listing wide and it is available wide of course you can go to any platform of your choice and buy mark's book so i'm working my way through that now i'm my antennae are twitching i'm looking to learn all sorts of points now i also bought mark's book um i can't remember what the kobo book was he wrote a book about kobo specifically as well and i can remember working through that book and um, you know, really kind of learning all the tricks about Kobo there. I think that's where I learned about the promotions and making the promotions work. Um, you know, you've just got to constantly be reading this stuff and getting best practice. And I'm hoping to walk away with a load of tips from Wired for the Win. And I, I just also wanted to mention to you that it goes kind of hand in hand. If you go to the Wired for the Win Facebook uh, group, you will see people now constantly posting in, in 20 books to 50K they call themselves is it fish, trout, salmon, and whatever, depending on how many sales they're making. And, and you tend to see people putting their what's it called? Oh, crikey, the but not book funnel, whatever the one is that lists your sales on. I've got it on my browser here. What's it called? Book report. They all put their book report data on twenty books to fifty k, but on Wide for the Win, they're all using this new website called Scribe Count, which I recommended to you a couple of weeks ago and scribe count gives you a beautiful kind of pie chart showing you where your sales are being made now scribe count i've just got to tell you how impressed with scribe count i am i did say to you that i thought it looked a little bit expensive but i've actually subscribed to it this week because i'm now truly going wide with my sci-fi and my non-fiction and, and because i get my i get my very specific 
Amazon data from Book Report, which I pay, which I pay for, I thought I'd also need now to pay for Scribe Count, and it cost me twenty twenty dollars a month, something like that. I think it was for Scribe Count. It only cost me twenty dollars a month, which seemed a bit cheap. I'm sure that's cheaper than when I said to you last time. But I'm quite happy with twenty dollars a month. That was fine, but that, that's what they charged me, and. It's on free trial at the moment, but I was really impressed with them because if you recall, maybe a month ago, I said to you I'd gone into Scribe Count and my numbers in India were, were phenomenal. It looked like I'd made half my income from, from India. I'd made you know thousands of dollars in, in India. And I wrote to them because I knew they were having teething problems with it. And I wrote to them and said, I'm, I'm having... I don't that can't be right uh, you need to check your calibrations and, and they did that and I was just really impressed that they not only do they do updates for everybody they sent me a personal email responding to my ticket saying we've solved that now it's sorted and it is and it's fine everything's good now so um, that was great um, so I'm impressed with scribe count the customer service seems to be good so far it's you know it's early days but I do like the data and I would say to you that if you are listed wide I've tried a couple of products which try to kind of bring the data get together when you're listed wide and I got to tell you that scribe count is an instant win for me I, I, everything was a bit clunky before didn't like it at all whereas scribe count it's simple to connect to all your accounts the data is is brilliant it's up to date and all I would say to you is you can get a free trial with Scribe Count. Just bear with them. Expect to bear with them a little while because they are just working through some teething problems. But looking at my numbers this week, um, and I've just I've just paid now. I'm just paying monthly for it now because I want to use the service. Looking at my numbers, that look like they've got that about right now. That looks fine for me. Those, those numbers are making sense to me and they mirror what I've got. Uh, as numbers elsewhere so so scribe count i'm recommending to you this week scribecount.com as a software service the wide for the win facebook group and mark lefave's wide for the win book oh and one more thing to say that sasha black whose podcast i'm enjoying immensely at the moment um sasha did an interview with mark uh, about the book so if you go to the rebel author podcast and look for sasha's interview with mark lefave about his book that is also really really interesting you'll make a lot of notes from that too okay finally before we go into my quarter one review and my look ahead to the rest of the year i just wanted to let you know that i've completed my march running challenge today nice and early in the month so i've done 15 runs of at least five kilometers during the month that gives me another medal i was making my mum laugh the other day on skype showing her all my jingle jangle medals here that means i've got another one of these running medals coming in the post now and uh, on friday today i ran 6.5 kilometers because i realized that they have some little kind of gamified goals and um, uh, i just wanted to break the 50 miles limit so um they just say oh you're a such and such a runner you're a tanny gray thompson or something like that i can't remember the name of the runner for 50 miles but i just wanted i thought oh, i was so close to 50 miles i gotta run a little bit extra today so uh, i've got over 50 miles in in march so far of running so uh, that you know that that feels good now in april I, i'm supposed to try and squeeze in 16 runs in april that's going to be disrupted by a move back to the uk and the need to quarantine for 10 days. So it might not be physically possible to do it in April, but I have signed up for the April challenge for 16 runs. And what I'll do is I will probably run every day that I can. Well, every day, I'll just run every day in April for as long as it takes until we leave Spain. And then I'll have to do 10 days 
in isolation, in quarantine or whatever you call it. And then I'll try and squeeze the rest in before the end of the month. So I'll start April, not quite sure whether I'm gonna finish April, but you know, might as well start as you mean to go on and we'll give it a try. It'll be what, that'll be my fifth medal if we manage to complete April. So I'm gonna have quite a collection by the time we're done. Email marketing is an essential part of any author marketing strategy, and MailerLite is the service I prefer when it comes to sending out my emails. MailerLite offers a free account of up to 1,000 subscribers, and it also gives you access to a simple website builder. If you're a new author, that allows you to build the two most important components of your author platform without any technical or financial blocks. If you're more advanced in your self-publishing journey, I particularly like the automations, the landing page options, the advanced targeting features, and the automatic resend facility. Where MailChimp can get expensive very quickly, and ConvertKit is probably more suitable for complex business setups, MailerLite is well-priced as you build your subscribers, as well as boasting many incredible features. You pay nothing extra when you buy through my affiliate link, so to check out the email marketing service that I use and recommend, head over to paulteague.net forward slash MailerLite and get your online marketing off to a great start. In the final section of this week's show then, the final show of the season, I'm going to review my quarter one writing plans. This is what I said to you that I was going to do. Let's see if I've done it. And then I'll tell you what's coming up for me for the rest of this year. So as far as quarter one was concerned, in January, this is what I told you I was going to try and do. I said I was going to try and plan by the end of this quarter, the Morecambe Bay Trilogy 3. Now that's been bumped to April. That's going to be my job in April. And I hope to start writing in May. I hope to start my writing in May. But um, I just decided that I was going to clear the decks, write the nonfiction, and just have a break from my thrillers. I just felt like I needed a break from it. Uh, I just wanted to sort of clear my mind and then come back to it afresh. So beginning of April, that's I've got a month then to sort of plan that trilogy. I've got loads of ideas. I've been writing loads of ideas down, but I've got to kind of basically by the end of April, I hope I will have a finished chapter by chapter plan for book one in the third trilogy or book seven in the whole series. That's where I'm hoping to be at the end of April. So the first thing there was bumped. <laughs> and that's, you know, we can bump stuff. If you don't do it, that's fine. But I, I did that because I actually feel the books will be better if I have a break from them. Um, so next thing, I wanted to publish the six-pack of my Morecambe Bay series and the three-pack of Morecambe Bay 2 books. That was done. I wanted uh, to push and promote my Morecambe Bay series around the second television series of The Bay. I did that, if you recall. I've, I had um, Twitter promos going. I had Facebook promos going. I bought a traditional PR package to do that. So I well and truly gave that a push around the TV series of The Bay. Interestingly, they've just started to film series three of The Bay. That will be out around this time next year, as far as I can see. And I will do exactly the same. Hopefully, I'll have a completed series then of my Morecambe Bay books. And I will do exactly the same again in a year's time, probably without the traditional marketing package. Though I might do the traditional marketing package again. We'll see when it comes to it. So the, another aim for quarter one this year was to write two non-fiction books, one in January, one in February. Well, I did the first non-fiction book and that was fine, but I decided not to do the second non-fiction book. That was the one that was going to be about email marketing. And to be honest with you, um, 
the Spanish paperwork about residency, that that's, I guess, taken up the time that the second non-fiction book did. I, I, I was printing all sorts of things yesterday. Uh, it's taken a lot of time getting all the paperwork done for various things that we're doing at the moment. And, and frankly, the second non-fiction book has been replaced by, um, you could call it generically, attending to Spanish matters. So um, I didn't write the second non-fiction book. I'm quite happy with that. I might do an, an email marketing book, and I might not, but I'm just parking that one for the future. So we wrote and released one non-fiction book in this quarter. I wanted to complete my website updates, and I've done that. I've, I've over the year, I've moved everything. I had too many websites. I'm winding down all my domain names, and my business is all going, my writing business is going through paulteague.net. All, all the categories go through that. If I ever blog again, uh, the blogs will go through paulteague.net. Everything goes through paulteague.net now, except the legacy episodes for this podcast and, and the ones that I've done up to date. They all go on selfpublishingjourneys.com. So I've got two websites now, one for the podcast, one for everything related to everything else. And I'm winding down all my extra domain names that I had. And um, that's involved a lot of work. Um, I've had to switch the theme. I've had to bring pages over. I've had to set up redirects. Loads and loads of stuff that isn't very interesting. Technical work that has to be done. There there was a lot of it, but that is all done now. The website transfer is complete. I also said I wanted to run three times weekly. I've done that. Sometimes I've done more than that. And you've heard the jiggly jangly collection of medals as proof that... uh, that, that uh, that's been done. Don't know what I'm going to do with those medals, but um, we'll have to do something with them. I don't. Know, they might go in the bin. Actually, I'm, I'm a bit. I wish they'd do something else instead of medals. I prefer t-shirts because it's all very nice having medals, but you can't really do much with them. I prefer to have t-shirts because you can wear those time and time again. I feel that t-shirts are a bit more environmentally friendly than medals. Anyhow, that's by the by. Another thing on the quarter one list was a Benidorm visit. We had to cancel that because they clamped us down in Spain. And so we had to cancel it for a couple of months, but I managed to squeeze that in in this quarter. So we've done the Belly Dawn visit, which is great. And then one of the aims at the beginning was to move back to the UK. Now we we bumped that too. So we're going back later than we'd intended to. We'd always intended to be back by the end of March. We're going to be going back in April now, not quite sure when. It's a bit of a moving target this, uh, but uh, we will be moving back to the UK next month rather than this month as I'd planned. So I'm quite happy that that was fairly flexible. I mean, if you look at that in traditional terms, I wrote and published one book in a quarter, which 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 ain't bad, is it really? And I published two of my Morecambe Bay trilogy books. So I published a book in January, I published a book in February, and I published a book in March. So although that's kind of slack by my standards, that's not too bad. I've just done loads of stuff in the background. I mean, you've heard it in these podcast episodes with my categories, with my adverts, you know, with consultancy, with KISS. And I feel like I've got loads of stuff done, loads of background stuff done that's important strategically. It just isn't writing books and publishing books, but it's just as important because it helps me to sell books better. So that's quarter one. I'm not going to give you quarter one plan, uh, quarter two plans uh, in this episode. I'm, I'm going to give you my rest of the year plans because everything's a little bit 
kind of flexible and up in the air at the moment what with the return to England and we've got to see what's happening in England we just kind of got to re-establish life again all my stuff's in storage at the moment I, I don't know what the time scale is going to be and I can't I don't know what order everything's going to happen in next so it's easier if I just give you an overview to conclude this this season of my rest of the year plans so my rest of the year plans are to move back to the UK and put everything back together again, everything I dismantled to put it all back together again. I want to plan and write the third Morecambe Bay trilogy. I did have the other day, I'll just let you in, into this, I'll let you know about this. I had a thought the other day, because although I've got a story, I haven't got a trilogy, I'm struggling for the trilogy. And it did occur to me the other day that there's absolutely no reason, because I'm the boss of my own business and I can do as I please, and that's one of the joys of self-publishing, that actually I could easily wind up that series just with seven books and that I could write maybe a 90,000 word final book in the series rather than doing a trilogy. I would still rather do a trilogy just for sales purposes, but it did occur to me that if I really struggled to find the trilogy, I have got a story, I just haven't got a trilogy yet, uh, that I might just wind it up with a 90,000 word book. So I'll just put that out there and just let you know that that is one of the possibilities flying in the air. But if I can't find a trilogy that I'm really confident of in, in time, then I will write the story that I, I've got a really good story in my head. I just can't turn it into a trilogy in a sensible way at the moment. So I, it might just be a 90,000 worder and I might conclude it at seven in the series rather than nine. But that's kind of out there. No, I'm not, I've got April to concentrate on that trilogy. If I haven't found a trilogy by the end of April, then it's getting written as a 90,000 word and I'll start writing in May because I do have a story. Uh, I've got to get both vaccine doses when we get back to the UK. So I think if we stayed in Spain, we wouldn't probably get the vaccine about, probably about July, I think we'd get it in Spain. Um, so you know, we would get it, but not as fast as we will in the UK. My wife got a text from the doctor's surgery the other day. She's a year older than me. I'm a perpetual toy boy in our relationship. So uh, she's uh, she's 56 now. We've levelled up now because I'm 56 because it was my birthday this week. And then she'll be 57 in, in August. So the reason I'm telling you that is that she got her invitation for vaccination before I do because uh, I'm 55 and I'm in the younger category at the moment. So she got her invitation. And basically what we'll do is when we get back to the UK, whenever that is, we'll do our 10 days quarantine and we'll book an appointment for the minute that we can to get the vaccination. So um, we've got, and I was working this out with my mum when I was chatting to her the other day and saying, you know, if we're going to come and see you in August, which is where we usually visit, if you think about it, if I get back into the UK in April, take my first vaccination before the end of April, then I have to wait for the second vaccination. I won't go and see my mum until I've had the second one. And then I think it's supposed to wait 10 days after the second one. I said to my mum, you're getting into mid-August before we could even come and sort of visit you safely with all those delays. So anyhow, you know, I want to get both vaccines, then I'm going to start outside socialising again. Uh, and I also want to visit my mum as well, obviously, because we haven't seen her for a year. She's been locked up for a year. So we were very, very, very cautiously. I'm not ready to do anything like big events or anything like that yet, but I'm very happy to do what we've been doing in Spain, which is to meet friends outside for kind of very small group get togethers. That's how I see the rest of my year going and to see sort of family and a safe situation but I think that's how my year is going to go while I'm building up confidence pretty well what we've been able to do in Spain to be honest with you I intend to carry on running three times weekly I really really hope that the park runs will resume by the end of June which is the the date for them 
Park run is something I will do in a group because it's outside. And by def- definition, you know, most of the people who are who are at Park Run are of a, you know, they're reasonably healthy. But I, I've been generally happy doing outside activities. So I will, uh, and also Park Run have changed the way that they're running Park Runs to make them uh, as safe as possible. So they've, they've put all of this in place and they've, they've consulted on it. And when they start Park Runs again, hopefully in June, they'll be slightly different from what they were before COVID. But I'm happy that I'm, I am I will get involved with Park Run again because I've really missed that. And I hope to pick up my club runs again. Um, I was part of a running club in Carlisle and I hope it's not a huge club. You're not running in big clumps of people. You know, you're running in the middle of nowhere, up country lanes and things like that. So I'm again, those are the things I'm happy with. But to me, that's a balance between good mental and physical health and risk. So I'm happy to do those things when they resume, uh, particularly as in the UK, virtually everybody by the end of June who wants one is going to have been vaccinated so long as things continue as they are. So um, that's that, you know, it's very, very broad brushstrokes, write a trilogy, possibly a 90,000 word book, get back to the UK, get vaccinated, run three times weekly, pick up part runs. And then also, of course, we're booked into Spain. We've got um, a month in Spain. Uh, this was a credit that I carried forward while we were messing about with where we were going to stay. So it's effective. I was going to, this was a stay we were going to have this year as part of this stay. But I decided not to stay in apartments. I decided to get a house out here. So I've got some credit to use up in these apartments in Benidorm. So I got a month in Benidorm, booked in November. And interestingly, I also booked into a 10K run, um, which is in Benidorm along the beachfront and all, you know, all through the streets in Benidorm. Uh, that's, I think, on the day before we leave. So I thought, well, I've got to do that when I'm there. So I'm booked in for a 10K run in Benidorm in November. Now, who knows what the world would look like in November 2021? I haven't got a clue. So we'll just have to keep our powder dry on that. So very broad brushstrokes for the end of the year. And that's how I'm going to keep it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's enough in there to keep me going. But that's how I think life's going to be until the end of this year. And of course, you know, I got kids to sort with universities, all the usual life things that have to happen around that too. So that is it for season three of the podcast. That takes me to 380 episodes with the fifth anniversary of the podcast, officially, the official date for the fifth anniversary is Sunday the 4th of April, which is next week. Now, I haven't got a clue what's happening next with the podcast. I can tell you that there definitely will not be any, there's no chance of any new episodes now until I'm back in the UK, we're all unpacked, I got my old computer back and everything is back to normal. I can't see that being um, before the end of May at the earliest. So nothing is definitely happening until the end of May with this podcast. And being the fifth anniversary of it, I have to say to you that I may not return to it. You know, that feels like it was a nice place to part of a podcast. Um, so, it, you know, it may not be back again. <laughs> so sorry to tell you that, but it may not be back again. I just think I think we need to get back in the UK and see the shape of life, I think, when we get back to the UK. So we'll just see what happens next. I just feel like everything's a bit of a moving target at the moment. So I just want to keep clear the decks and keep everything really sort of flexible but I can tell you that there won't be anything until the end of May and I will do you the courtesy if I decide to wind it up at that point or to take a longer break I will just drop a little episode in there at the end of May if I decide that's it I will let you know I won't keep you on tenterhook so don't expect anything before the end of May and if I do decide to wind it up um, I'll let you know at the end of May I'll drop some I'll drop an episode in the feed but if I do keep it going 
after the end of May. Obviously, I'll let you know that too as soon as I've made the decision. So I'll let you know either way is what I'm telling you. I got that Walker Bay series to plan and write, so I got plenty to do. And next Sunday, I'm giving you a bonus episode to celebrate that fifth year anniversary. It's called 10 Things I've Learned About Self-Publishing in My Five Years of Podcasting. That's coming up next Sunday. That's all for now. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. From me, Paul Teague. Bye-bye for now. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.net forward slash podcast. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, then you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paulteague. That's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, bye-bye for now.